welcome to this week's episode of the Legal Language Podcast. Today we have Ian Rummels on the show. Welcome Ian, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Thank you very much. Um, Ian is the founder of two separate businesses, Cloud8 and AMBA, previously known as PES. These businesses have different audiences and visions, however they have two things in common. Ian as a creator and the shared desire to develop happy, motivated employees. Ian's title at Cloudy and Amba is Head of Thinking and Possibilities, which I think is one of the best titles I've ever heard. Amba is an award-winning business specialising in employee benefits, well-being and HR services. In 2001, Ian founded PES, as I said, now known as Amba. It was here that Ian's passion to create exceptional digital employee engagement tools began. After years of using insufficient employee benefits platforms, passion took over and Ian decided to build his own. He quickly realised that Amba wasn't the only employee benefits company to be fed up with the standard of technology available. And so in 2019, Cloud8 was formed. Cloud8 is a software business which now owns the technology and licences it to other employee benefits companies. Ian has now handed over that CEO in both businesses and is moving into more of a founder and visionary position. This allows Ian to work with other first-time entrepreneurs and CEOs, enabling them to share his experience, give them the benefits of learning from his mistakes along the way. Ian has a wealth of business knowledge, having founded and grown two successful businesses, and I'm so delighted to have him on the podcast today to share his experience. And to be honest, if we're being full disclosure to the audience here, Ian helps me. So (laughs) Ian is my mentor and visionary as well. So I am beyond humbled that he's come on the podcast today. So thank you for coming on. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. Um, So let's just quickly have a chat then about the path that you took to get to, to where you are now. So how did it start? How did it progress? And how did you end up here? Um, well, it's been quite a long road, to be honest. Um, I, I did leave school uh, with A-levels and didn't go to university. Um, I actually became the first ever A-level tr- trainee for Arthur Young, who then quite quickly became Ernst & Young, one of the big four advisory firms in the UK. Spent 14 years there, um, I guess, uh, initially starting as a, as a tax advisor, but then um, developed through the business. And when I left, I was leading what they then called uh, employer services. So I was leading a team of advisors providing support to employers on a range of um, you know, employment issues. I suppose when I was at Ernst & Young, I was what you could potentially call a, an intrapreneur. So somebody that was not satisfied just doing the job, wanted to try and look at new products and new markets. I was a bit of a pain in the bum, basically, internally, <laughs> sort of trying to look at new ideas and, and innovation. Um, and actually, you know, helped found that, uh, that business, that part of their business, and, and now um, it's a pretty pretty significant business for, for Ernst and Young, and, and as it is for many other big four firms. So, so I left in two thousand and one, um, partly down to politics and uh, frustration, um, and then also I guess partly down to a desire to, to set up my own business. Um, and frankly, I didn't know anything else. So if I was going to set up a business, it was going to have to be something to do with helping employers because I didn't know anything else. Um, <laughs> so I set up in 2001, principally as a consulting business. Um, you know, I, there was a there was definitely a need for, for businesses at that point to get some advice when they were starting to employ people. And bearing in mind, um, you know, the likes of Ernst & Young and others that were doing it in the market were charging 
ridiculous fees. You know, it was sort yeah. of, I think my my charge out fee in 2001 when I left was something like £480 an hour. In 2001. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it was really quite hard to justify that. Um, it, we could occasionally justify it when we were saving people lots of money on their employment tax bills, which mm-hmm. we did regularly. Um, but fundamentally, we meant that we, we couldn't really support local businesses. It was all sort of big nationals and yeah. my travel took me to Reading and London and, and working with all the sort of big employers in the UK. So it was a clear opportunity. Um, so we then sort of set about building a, a consultancy that could support employers with a range of issues from HR to employment law to employee benefits, um, how you would then tax those benefits and, and, and all those sorts of things. After a couple of years, um, uh, I realised I didn't want to be a consultant forever. You know, it's yeah. really hard, as you know, Babs, to build <laughs> a, yeah. a people business. Yeah. Um, so we were looking at how we could create some products. Um, and I look, it's, um, it's, uh, it shows how long ago it is that the first product we created was a little ring binder folder. <laughs> for employers to, to get some advice on how to set things up uh, with a little CD-ROM inside. Some people won't know what a CD-ROM is, but it's a, it's a disk <laughs> that people could download some templates. Um, quickly realised that the internet was here and we had to convert it all onto the internet. So that was our little product for yeah. um, I, mean, I, yeah, I could go on forever talking about this stuff, but, but yeah. the, that was then the, 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 the start of looking at how we could productize some bits of our business, yeah. uh, which ultimately, after a number of years, led to us building the technology solution that we're using today. Amazing. And so what is your biggest achievement throughout all of that? Um, I don't know really because you don't necessarily sort of look down and see what you've achieved, do you? You just keep, yeah. keep, keep surviving. But honestly, for me, I am most proud of the opportunities that I've created for people along the way. I think yeah. in 20 years of running a business, I think I have employed... Well, we have employed over 300 people in that time. Amazing. Um, many of them have been young people, and we've had some really successful apprentice schemes, including the Southwest Apprentices of the Year um, some years ago. And we've, we've, we've had some brilliant young people working our business. Some of them are still there now, you know, 10 yeah. years later. So, so I think that's my most, the thing I'm most proud of. I don't know whether it's an achievement or not. I think it is, absolutely. Um, I feel the same. I, when we got to a level where... I could start hiring people. It was, it, it, people were like, oh, don't, but you're, you're, you're splitting the cash and all these things. And I'm thinking, but it's just such a nice feeling to be able to give someone a job and, and also watch them grow and skill them up. And yeah, it's amazing. Well, we have, um, we have two apprentices in our businesses. They both started in, in PES. Yeah. Uh, one is now still there in Amber and the other one is now in Cloud 8. But they started on the same day. Yeah. Um, and coincidentally, both have exactly the same birthday. So they were born on the oh, same that's day. So they funny. Each other when, they, when they joined. <laughs> um, and so I think they have now been with us for seven years. Um, and I also know their birthday because they, they share the birthday for my uh, middle son as well. So That's incredible. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and so when you launched PES, now Amber, was it, you, you mentioned your frustration and why you left, but did you see a particular gap in the market? I mean, you've spoken about fees, etc. Um, and I mean, I understand that as well, that, 
coming from the big law firm world that fees is obviously the, the kind of differentiating factor when you're working for small businesses. But was there more than that? Was it was it a different service that small businesses needed? So I think to start with, it was that. It was that um, small businesses needed help, but they didn't really know where to go. And, yeah. and it was almost sort of out of reach with uh, the, the advisors that were in the market charging ridiculous fees. So yeah. I think that was the initial driver to thinking, well, what can I do? I think over the years, though, I have learned the importance of um, happy worker, employees and happy workers yeah. because... Yeah, I think sometimes we take the human side out of business, you know, but we spend a lot of time at work. And um, I I personally know from my own experience that if I'm in a good place um, and I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I I feel valued and um, the people around me are treating me well, Mm -hmm. I'm going to work harder. It's just a natural human instinct. So um, so I think, you know, from, from that sort of, created the sort of passion but also seeing the opportunity to try and work with organizations to develop this um you know this culture this sort of opportunity to create a happier workforce and that will lead to much better business uh results so you know and then ultimately that led to the digital solution and the technology that um, that came a bit later on and I'm sure, I mean, you've done this for years now. I'm sure you encountered some challenges along the way. Um, can you talk a bit about that and <laughs> how you overcame them? Yeah, I mean, in 20 years, there's lots of challenges that we've come come up against. Um, you know, it's, it's never a straight line. You, you know, it's sort of, it's a journey. And um, unfortunately, when you go on this journey, you might have a plan to get to, uh, I don't know, Australia on one plane, but it, it never seems to work that way. So... Um, we've had uh, we've had financial crashes to deal with. We've had pandemics to deal with. We've had running out of money. We've had clients going bust. We've had um, you know employees um, not turning up. You know these are challenges that happen. Uh, they happen to all of us over over, over our lives and business. And nobody yeah. teaches you what to do. Um, mm-hmm. You sort of make things up as you go along, or you know, you ask some people around you that may have had those experiences before and you do your best. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a whole podcast of challenges yeah. <laughs> we've done to overcome them, if I'm honest. And is there anything that you would have done differently that kind of sticks out in your mind? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, there's probably several things that I would have done differently. I think um, I would have probably... Um, the, the, the problem with that, that question is is easy to answer <laughs> in hindsight. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, along the way, you make decisions all the time and you make this decision based on the information that you have. Yeah. And as long as you make more good decisions than bad ones, you do okay. Um, yeah. I actually personally believe it's better to make a decision than just procrastinate and not make any decision at all. So, you know, we have made some decisions that haven't been the right ones. And yes, in hindsight, I would do things differently, but... You know, I don't know, you don't have you don't have the benefit, that, do you? So one of yeah. the things that um, I've talked about is the desire to build a product. You know, one yeah. of the productize some of the things we're doing. There was a definite opportunity in the market to create a digital employee benefit solution for all businesses, not just this sort of expensive flex solution that existed at the time for big enterprises. And we went on a journey to develop some technology, um, mm-hmm. and we I made some some um, poor uh, judgments around the people to partner 
to help us build that technology solution. Right. Um, now, I am a little bit too trusting sometimes. So you know, when somebody tells me that they can do something, I think, okay, they sound, sounds like they, they know what they're <laughs> talking about. Unfortunately, I didn't do uh, sufficient due diligence into um, the two different organizations that helped us in the early days with our our sort of tech build. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I would have done a little bit more due diligence, not jumped in. I'm a bit too enthusiastic and a little bit too um, eager and impatient, I suppose, probably. Um, sometimes, you know, um, so if I was a carpenter, somebody taught me this once a long time ago, you know, you need to measure measure, measure twice, cut once. Cut once, yeah. And I, and I think I should have measured twice um, <laughs> along the way, and I, and I didn't. But I think you're completely right. Actually, I find that such a funny question even to ask that I, I always think you make the best decision at the time that you could yeah. when you were that person and had that information. I think you have to. I mean, you know, um, the, the, the thing is with us, uh, you know, when we're in that sort of CEO leader position, we, we, are, we have to make decisions, don't we? Yeah. And, you know, often the decisions aren't wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you had different information and different experiences, you might make a different decision have you had time again. But yeah. you don't get that benefit, you know. No. Um, well, the other thing I would have probably done differently is um, around sort of raising money. You know, when you're building products and technology, it's quite hard to fund it through, you know, um, your sort of trading because yeah. you build the product first and then you sell it. Um and I have raised money on lots of different occasions over the years. Um, mm-hmm. And in the main, you know, you know, reasonably successfully, but I've done it in lots of small chunks rather than, you know, right. the confidence yeah. and the belief in myself to go out and raise a proper amount of money. Yeah. So that um, we didn't have to keep coming back and doing it again because it is quite time consuming. It is very um, distracting and, and yeah. sometimes can be a little bit soul destroying. Yeah. And it's expensive. From a legal perspective, even if you're running multiple funding rounds or investment cash injections into the business, you're running a legal transaction every time. Absolutely. It's massively yeah. expensive unless they come to you, of course. <laughs> well, let's let's chat a bit about the, the legal side of things. So um, what have your experiences been working with lawyers, dealing with legal issues um, with both with both companies? Yeah, I mean, look, so over the years... Um, Certainly within PES, you know, we've, um, we've sold it, we've bought it, we've acquired businesses, uh, we've sold other businesses off. I joined an AIM group for a while, so um, alternative investment market, so we were, we were listed on the stock exchange for a short period. Um, we've raised money, we've had contract issues, we've had people issues, we've had disputes with not many, fortunately, but we've had one or two disputes. Um, so... Our experience of the legal profession is is fairly substantial, and I've been involved in quite a few of those um, those transactions. And I think you know there are some exceptions. There are some some pretty good lawyers around who do seem to care, um, but fundamentally there are many that are um, incredibly expensive. Um, often. There's a lack of empathy. Um, and then when you're in difficult and complex situations for the first time, um, you know, you're faced with uh, language that is quite hard to fathom. Yeah. And there doesn't seem to be any sort of understanding that um, the person on the other side of the fence may need a little bit of help working this through. Yeah. So I, I, I have found um, an arrogance and a um, sometimes you know, 
certainly an arrogance about the profession in general, um, very willing to charge lots of fees at very high rates. Yeah. Um, often you question the value of some of that. Some of it is valuable because if it's saving you, you know, potentially, you know, several hundreds of thousands of pounds, then, then yeah. you know, you're quite happy to pay these things. But often it's fairly uh, low-level transactions. You get whacked with a big bill. Um, but I think the thing for me that, that is probably the least excusable is is how rude people can be. Um, I agree. I don't, I don't particularly <laughs> set the fools. Uh, and, and if somebody's rude to me, then I, they're gonna, I'm going to be back, frankly. Um, but I believe that we should all treat people like we want to be treated ourselves. I know yeah. that's a cliche. It doesn't happen enough in the legal yeah. profession as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, I completely and utterly agree. That's why we're hopefully hopefully trying to do things a bit differently. <laughs> I mean, like, so, you know, when we came across you guys a few years ago, first with um, with PES and now with Cloud8, um, it is like a breath of fresh air, you know. Um, not, you know, you, you know my views on your, your, your fees, I think perhaps it, you know, <laughs> you're good value for money for sure. Um, but it's not about that. It's just, you know, yeah. understanding that we're all human beings and actually caring and yeah. talking nicely to us. Um, and actually, if you do that, you'll probably get talked nicely back as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. I just, I just, I don't understand the combative nature of lawyers. I, I mean, I get it. Like, I, you know, if you're a, if you're a dispute solicitor, your job is to fight all day. But that that's not the job of a, a transactional lawyer. A, a transactional lawyer should be there to hold someone's hand and make everything a bit easier, not um, conjure up issues. I remember being on a banking call um, when I was a trainee, a trainee solicitor in a big firm. And the director of banking was on the call and she was arguing till she was blue in the face about whether there should be a semicolon in a clause or whether it should be a comma. And the client is sitting getting more and more outraged because they're saying, I'm paying for this call. Kept putting the phone on mute. I'm paying for this call. I don't give a shit about the, a semicolon. And she's saying, yes, but fundamentally it changes the meaning. And I mean, this went on for ages. And I just thought... How are you serving the client? How are you making their life any easier? You're just making it harder. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And actually, even when you get um, the sort of conflict situations or you've got two opposing lawyers arguing over, um, you know, some, some clauses in a, in a sound purchase agreement, you don't yeah. have to be rude. No. There's, no, no, there's nothing to say, um, in, in, even if we have an argument, that you need to be rude. It, you, we all need to be civil with each other. And Absolutely. Actually, the days go quicker if that happens, for sure. Absolutely. I have some solicitors that I've dealt with on transactions and it is, it's funny to see the difference. I have some who come at me for no reason um, and I just really actually take a lot of pleasure in killing them with kindness in response. Um, but then you have other ones who are just really nice and you think it's, it's, it's like chalk and cheese. Like it's so, it's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's let's kind of move away from your from your kind of business side of things and talk a little bit more about what you're doing now um, and what you're going to be working on um, in the future. So you're obviously working with small business owners, startups who are looking for help growing and scaling in lots, in lots of different ways. Um, what kind of key pieces of advice would you give to someone if they're just starting out or in the early stages and they're looking to kind of do what you did in a sense? Um, it's a good question. And um, I guess it depends on the person and what they're doing as to the, as to the response. I think 
and there are some exceptions to this, but I think a lot of people that do set up a business struggle a little bit with self-confidence and, you know, this sort of imposter syndrome going on, which uh, yeah. which I've had, actually. Yeah. Over the years, you sort of think, quickly, the business down the road, they're doing it much better than me. Um, chances are they're not, you know. Um, so I, I suppose, for me, it's about belief. You know, believe in yourself. You've got a great idea. Not many people have the 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 guts or the balls to actually set up their own business. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Good, good on you for doing it in the first place, and then just believe in your ability. You know, you know, you know. Certainly, no different to the the person down the road, and often you're probably better at it than the person down the road. It's just um, they might be shinier and have uh, better marketing, but um, but you just believe in yourself. Yeah, and and in terms of what what you or what small business owners should be looking at in terms of like how to define success how does someone know if they've been successful how do they know if they're doing what they're meant to be doing if they're following the right path do you have any kind of words of wisdom on that one uh, yeah i guess uh, everybody's <laughs> doing this for different reasons i mean some people yeah. absolutely want to make you know their first million and then the next 10 million and, and, and carry on that way and, and if that's their way of defining success then great that's good on them you know others will be doing it for lifestyle reasons, other will be doing it for, for you know creating opportunities as we talked about before for, for other people. So yeah. I think the thing to do is you know is, is you have to have a vision and a plan, don't you? So you need yeah. to think about okay, why are you doing this? What success mean for me? Write it down, you know, that work that maybe sort of put that in for I don't know what a sample for period of time I think it might want to look at you know where it may be in 10 years and then work it back for five years and three years and then actually to say okay if, if that's where I'm aiming that's good a good outcome for me and the business then you know you start putting in the the plan for the year and then break it down into quarters in order to sort of work out what I'm going to achieve this quarter that's going to actually take me towards that goal and that, that sort of success that I'm looking for. So yeah. whether you call them objectives or rocks or KPIs or whatever, it doesn't really matter. It's writing yeah. it down and then focusing on that. But, you know, remembering you, you, you've got to take the small step. So, you know, whatever you do on this quarter is important because it takes you towards that goal and it takes you on to the next quarter and then the next quarter. And then hopefully by the time you sort of look up, you're already there. And how do you support business owners to follow that track? Well, I can ask you that question. <laughs> <laughs> Amazingly would be my answer, but... <laughs> I mean, look, I think um, I've made plenty of mistakes over the years and we talked about, you know, making uh, what would I do again differently and, and this sort of benefit of hindsight that you don't get. So if I can support people by offering my own experiences and the learnings I've made through the mistakes that I've made over the years and help people avoid those and make better decisions um, which create better outcomes for their business and for them personally, then, yeah, that's great for me. Um, so that, that's, I guess, what I want to try and do. But also, and you know this, it's a lonely place being a CEO sometimes yeah. or, or an entrepreneur. You know, you've got, particularly when you start employing people, you've got a lot of responsibilities, not just for you and, and your family, but the, the people that work for you. Mm -hmm. um, nobody teaches you how to do it. You know, we're sort of all making it up as we go along. So just, I mean, I, 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 I hope, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at the sort of human side, just listening, allowing that space for people to go, Bleh, you know, what's yeah. on their mind, what's keeping them awake at night, listening, 
often that's enough because mm-hmm. people work it out for themselves. Yeah. Um, sometimes it isn't. Sometimes you need to, you know, throw in a few ideas or thoughts or, or observations. Um, often using the experience that I've created or gained over the years, um, and then sometimes as well making some connections. So you know, if 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 the uh, the person I'm working with has a particular problem in an area, and I know a great, you know, their legal problem, and I know a great lawyer, then I'll put in <laughs> touch with you. Um, yeah. So that connectivity is important too. Absolutely. And just from personal experience, um, I, I've been working with Ian for, God, about four months now, maybe longer, maybe a bit longer, maybe yeah. a bit longer. Um, and he's been absolutely fantastic in lots of ways strategically, but also that kind of listening ear when it's been a, a bad day or a bad week. <laughs> and you just want to throw the towel in. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's needed because actually who else do you talk to about that stuff you know um, the people that love you and are in your family well will have a view I'm sure but you know they are so emotionally connected yeah. uh, you can't talk to your staff about it and anyway there are advisors around that will support you on particular things for sure um, and they are very valuable you know for me if, if you wanted to you know draft a business plan for example there are better people to do it mm-hmm. but um, it's just that sort of trusted friend internally, I suppose, that you can say anything to. Um, yeah. And, and it's all fine. It's absolutely invaluable. Um, so what, what inspires you or who inspires you on a daily basis? You know, this is going to sound very um, uh, staged, but actually the, the entrepreneurs and CEOs that I work with inspire me on a daily basis. Oh. You know, some of them remind me of me when I was a lot younger. Yeah. Um, uh, but actually, it's just having that belief, that passion, that um, that hunger, the drive, you know, to be able to go. I mean, often they've come from corporate, not always, but come from the corporate world, um, as I did, earning quite a lot of money, um, getting frustrated with stuff, and then making a, a big, big decision to to leave and, and, you know, start again with nothing. So those people inspire me. You know, you're one of them. Uh, there's there's another sort of half dozen or so that I work with on a regular basis. Um, and often it's the it's the energy that just sort of keeps me going. Actually, yeah, amazing. And so, Ian, I'm sure lots of our listeners will have really resonated with a lot of the things that you're talking about, and know that it can be a lonely place, and would like some support. If people would like to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Oh, um, I don't know is the answer. <laughs> through you. Through me. <laughs> Contact me. <laughs> I am, um, I mean, this is a, something I've been doing uh, for four or five months, as you say, probably a bit longer than that now, actually. But I'm still working as an non-exec director at Amber and supporting the SLT there. Uh, I'm doing something similar for Cloud8 where um, I'm actually involved in some of the big relationships in the business as well. So this is sort of a, a relatively new sort of um, path I'm taking. So I will have a website, but as of today, it's not ready. So um, maybe in, in, in a few months' time, then I can uh, ask you to pass my website details on. In the Absolutely. interim, you've got, my, you've got my email and my phone number. So feel Absolutely. free to pass it. Um, uh, this is definitely the stage in the podcast where I'm meant to give you the podcast email address and my team are going to kill me because I can't remember what it is so if you would like to get in touch with Ian you can just email us directly at info at jamesonlaw.legal and we will put you in touch with Ian from there and then when he have his, has his website up and running that will be all across all of our social media platforms anyway so you'll see it there um, no worries Ian, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been an absolute joy to have you on. Um, any last thoughts before we wrap up? 
Well, it's hard not to um, think about what's happening in Ukraine, if I'm completely honest with you. So maybe yeah. that could be our last thought, because um, you know, all the things we've been talking about today are, are important. Of course they are, but um, you know, we're lucky, aren't we? We've got our homes yes. and our livelihoods, and our, you know, we're not having to worry whether our loved ones are alive or not. So um, I think maybe that's probably the, the final thought from me. But I mean, other than that, no, thank you very much. From, for, for asking me on today a bit of useful. Well it's been an absolute pleasure and I completely and utterly agree so thank you for, for mentioning that um, and yeah thanks again for coming on and enjoy the rest of your day Okay, thank you very much Thanks Bye, everyone.